0: Good morning, my fellow ballers. Welcome back to another episode of Ballin' with Tyler Todd. You for this week. We have an AFC West recap and some college football action as well. First, who would have thought come week three that the Raiders and Broncos will be tied for first with the 2 0 record? Well, I'll tell you who. Not me. An upsetting week for the Chargers. Chiefs nail biter to Baltimore. Broncos cruise against the Jaguars and the Raiders shocking Pittsburgh. So, what a week in the AFC West. Here's a recap of each game and my thoughts for next week's schedule for each AFC West team. So, for game one, Broncos and Jaguars. As of right now, Broncos look legit. Teddy Bridgewater with another successful game. Are we seeing a possible diamond in the rough with veteran Teddy? I'm not sure. Maybe a couple more weeks to tell. But, as of right now, he has performed above expectations. Against the Jaguars defense, 26-34. for 328 passing yards and two touchdowns solid game from him in the receiving core one of the better ones in the league in my opinion Colton Sutton had nine catches for 159 yards and starting tight end Noah Fant four catches 33 receiving yards and one touchdown Broncos defense also played great Patrick Sertan the second rookie corner had his first career interception and Kareem Jackson also had an interception Von Miller had a sack and Jackson also led the team in tackles. Brandon McManus was 3-for-3 on field goals, long of 46 yards. Overall, great performance from the Broncos, and honestly, so far so good. This upcoming Sunday, they will face the 0-2 Jets and will more than likely improve to 3-0. The Jets got shelled in Week 2 by New England, and Zach Wilson had four interceptions, three in the first half. Broncos no doubt should improve to 3-0 after Week Three's matchup. My thoughts on Denver as of right now, they look like a very good team. Obviously, they have played the Giants and Jaguars, who are less desirable, but nonetheless, they are still professional football teams, and they are undefeated going into Week 3, so that's what you want to see. The defense, specifically the secondary, has played well. The offense is firing on all cylinders, and the biggest question mark going into this 2021 campaign was the quarterback situation. And obviously, it's been good as of, it's just been good right now. If we can recall, the Broncos were in talks to get Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers. After Rodgers opting in for one more year in Green Bay and Watson dealing with his allegations off the field, the Broncos were left with third-year quarterback Drew Locke and newcomer Teddy Bridgewater. So for the entire offseason, we weren't really sure who was going to be starting behind center I mean, that was what the whole point of the offseason was for, to try and bring in Rodgers or Watson. That obviously didn't happen. And then it became a QB battle in preseason. Who's going to take the starting role? So Elway made the executive decision to have Bridgewater start. And so far, it has paid off. In each game, he has thrown two touchdowns and has eclipsed over 250 passing yards in each. Huge plus, he has also thrown no interceptions. So put this all together, the Broncos are in the conversation for a potential playoff spot this year. Dark Horse team, in my opinion. Keep them on your radar. And I just realized I never gave the score for their game. It was 23-13 to 13 was, the fi- was the final score. Next, we had the Las Vegas Raiders, who I think pretty much everyone can agree with me are the most unlikely team to be performing this well, especially against the Ravens in Week 1 and then the Steelers in Week 2. You would think they would easily be 0-2. I stand corrected, 2-0 going into Week 3 where they will face the 1-1 Dolphins and more than likely, like the Broncos, will be victorious against the Finns and improve to 3-0. So back to the Week 2 matchup against the Raiders and Steelers. The Raiders would go on to beat Pittsburgh 26-17 on the shoulders of Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs III. Carr on the day, 28-37, for 37, 382 passing yards, 2 touchdowns. First two games he's played really well. Ruggs the third, five receptions, 113 receiving yards, and one touchdown. Tight end Darren Waller, one of the more underrated tight ends in the league, easily is top five for me. Five catches, 65 yards, and the defense was fierce. Denzel Perryman, former charger, shedding a tear on my own, led the team in tackles with six. Trayvon Mullen had the only interception of the game, and Solomon Thomas, former first-round pick of the 49ers, had two sacks. So I'm not really sure how the Raiders are 2-0, especially with the schedule they've had in the first two weeks. But they have played like underdogs in both games and have fought hard in each outing. So my thoughts on the Raiders, great team on paper, have been playing extremely well, but possibly could see a dive in the record. The Raiders have been average in recent years and still have the same coaching staff they've previously had the past two to three years. And if we can recall the past two years, they've been very average. 8-8, 9-7, 7-9, eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine, six and ten esque. Really, they haven't eclipsed ten wins in most recent years. So not sold on them just yet, but they are definitely a fun team to watch. And it's hard to beat it's hard to beat Baltimore and then Pittsburgh back to back week. So you have to give them credit where it's due. And that were were both really good performances. So third on the list, we had the Kansas City Chiefs. The final score of their game with Baltimore thirty five to thirty six. So the Chiefs The cream of the crop, the king on top of the hill, the reigning AFC division champs for the past five years are off to a one-on-one start for the 2021 season. A tough battle in week one against the Browns, which they could have easily lost, but pulled out the gutsy win, and a nail-biter to Baltimore Sunday night. They have had two tough teams right off the bat. Honestly, a lot like Oakland, but Oakland obviously is 2-0 now. So Patrick Mahomes, 24 for 31, 343 passing yards, three touchdowns and one interceptions. Not surprised at all. He will do three touchdown games pretty much all season. Travis Kelsey, seven catches, 109 receiving yards, 15.6 yards per catch and one touchdown. Yeah, that's a tight end catching receiver numbers. Pretty insane. And then Demarcus Robinson, three catches, 46 receiving yards, 15.3 yards per catch and one touchdown. Anthony Hitchens led the defense with nine tackles Daniel Sorensen with one sack, and Tyron Matthew with two interceptions. Only losing by a single point, the Chiefs could have been 2-0 going into week three, but came up short against Baltimore. The Cleveland game week one could have been different as well, but they clutched up and walked out of KC with the win. My thoughts on Kansas City, they played well each game. The defense does need work as they've given up at least 25 points in each game. Going toe-to-toe with two of the best teams in the AFC back-to-back weeks is a very tough task. And scratching off at least one win shows grit and shows that they're very capable and that they still are the probably arguably the best team in the AFC. And they still are my team to win the AFC West. And come week three, this Sunday, they play my Chargers. And speaking of my Chargers, what a disappointing game this Sunday against Dallas. The Chargers would end up losing 20-17 to for L.A., Multiple trips to the end zone that ended in field goals. Two touchdowns that got called back on flags and losing a game on a 56-yard field goal. They had an extremely tough loss in Week 2. And even more upsetting that we are traveling to Kansas City for a Week 3 matchup, which, honestly, I think will end in disaster. And the Chargers will realistically look at a 1-2 and two record heading back to Los Angeles after that game to then face the Raiders at home Week 4. So, it's not going to get any easier. And then after that, we play Baltimore or Cleveland. And then after that, it's one or the other. It's like Baltimore-Cleveland or Cleveland-Baltimore week five and six. So, yeah, real tough sledding from the rest of the schedule. For the Dallas game, Justin Herbert on the day. 31 for 41. 338 passing yards. One touchdown and two interceptions. Great protection all game. Just made a couple errors, obviously. Keenan Allen, four catches for 108 yards, 27 yards per catch. Mike Williams seven receptions, 91 receiving yards, 13 yards per catch, and one touchdown. He's played great both games. Really is looking like the first-round receiver that we drafted four or five years ago, like starting to come into his own finally. Austin Eckler in the rushing game, nine rushes for 54 yards, six yards per carry. And in the receiving game, nine catches for 61 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. Nasir Adderley led the defense with eight total tackles, Asante Samuel Jr. snagged his first career interception off Dak Prescott. Jerry Taylor and Derwin James shared a sack. And Kyle Falkrell came away with a sack of his own. Tristan Mascano, 3-4 for four on field goals, long of 46. Missed a kick right at the half that went off the goalposts. Just an overall frustrating game to watch. Had multiple opportunities to win the game. Poor decision-making haunts the Chargers each week. And has for years, and like I said last week, even with the excitement of the new look Chargers under Brandon Staley, I am always skeptical and I have a right to be. My thoughts on the LA Chargers, they are a good team, but they can never get out of their own way. The week 3 matchup <laughs> week 3 matchup is Kansas City in Kansas City. So the road to O2 sorry, not the road to O2. The road to 1 and 2 is looking more realistic each day. So there you have it. AFC West recap and my thoughts on each team as of right now and where they stand going into week 3. Football, I mean, for all the AFC teams so far, they've had pretty decent schedules. I would really say the Broncos had a very, you know, exciting one, but they're still playing, you know, professional caliber teams, obviously. But so for this next segment, that's enough for football. This next segment is something new, and I'm going to introduce it this week into the show, and it will make an appearance from time to time. So for anyone who doesn't know, I just got a job this past month with SCSU's video and editing department which has allowed me to watch and film live college games, specifically SCSU's Pac-12 men's soccer, women's soccer, and women's volleyball. And yeah, it's awesome. Those are the games I've been filming. It has been a rad experience so far, and I felt since I work for the school now, I mean, I get to watch live college sport, sports. It's incredible. It would be interesting to add little tidbits of in pieces of the games I cover into the show. So wrapping it all up together, this segment, it will be called the locals. STC is only an hour away from me and the men's soccer team, in the football team. I've played tremendous so far this season on the season for the men's soccer team. They have five wins, zero losses, and two ties, having not lost a single game and are two and within their conference. And they play in the pac 12. Pretty crazy yesterday. Excuse me. Sunday, Arguably the biggest game of the year for them faced number 23 ranked Stanford and won in double overtime to secure their second conference win of the season. In the 102nd minute of overtime on a breakaway pass to junior Austin Wenner, that would then set up the game winning pass and goal to senior Tevin Rue to secure the victory. An amazing game to say the least, and mind you, like I just mentioned earlier, they play in the Pac-12 and usually are more towards the bottom of the conference. I mean, that's just what I've heard from multiple people that I've worked with is that SCSU is on the lower part of the spectrum when it comes to the Pac 12 rankings for soccer. The SCSU men's soccer team is ranked 21st in the nation and will look to improve on their 5 0 2 record against the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And it was a hell of a game, and It really was, really was interesting and really fun to watch. Lastly, we have the SCU's men's football team. Usually, the team is always in the average range and they have been for a while. This I've known. I didn't have to work for the school to notice, but that's just how they've been. SECU is definitely a basketball school, and everyone can pretty much agree with me on that. But football still has its place in San Diego. The Aztecs play in the Mountain West Conference for football, and so far are undefeated through three games. That's pretty cool. They have yet to play a conference game, but have the best record in the Mountain West West, and will look to improve on their 3-0 record against Tune one Townsend of the Colonial Athletic Association. For the Aztecs, the road to 3-0 began with the 28-10 victory over the New Mexico State Aggies. Week 2 faced off against University of Arizona and were victorious 38-14. The Wildcats are uh, dumpster fire and I will always despise them being a Sun Devil for life. But the most important game of their schedule so far was this week 3 matchup against Utah. Utah has been one of the best teams in the Pac-12 for years and arguably are the best team in the entire conference. They, for the most part, always run the Pac-12 South and Oregon-Washington run the Pac-12 North. That's like kind of just how it's gone. Back in the day, it used to be USC-UCLA used to run the South, but not so much anymore. This year, though, the Utes are struggling at 1-2, and two, and SDSU took it to them this past week. A win in triple overtime for the Aztecs, easily the game of the week. I, it, it really was. Insane finish to an incredible game after multiple missed field goals by both the Aztecs and the Utes. The Aztecs would finish off the Utes in triple overtime on a failed two-point conversion by the Utes that was called the complete catch, but then was reversed, ending the game. And seriously, if anyone missed the game here, go watch the overtime highlights. Insane. That's all I can say. For SDSU's Greg Bell, senior from Chula Vista, he had 33 carries for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Backup running back Lucas Johnson, eight carries for 87 rushing yards. Taylor Hawkins led the team with 4 tackles and one interception. I'm usually not a fan of covering college games, but obviously, I work for the school now and I felt it'd be really cool to have that, you know, have that, you know, local aspect to my to my show and just, you know, be able to talk about it cuz I those are now players and athletes that I'm literally going to be around for this whole fall season, so it's pretty cool. But for SCSU, maybe this is the year they turn a new leaf and really show how talented they are in the football game and men's soccer, they're they're killing it they really are and the soccer games are exciting because they're just so fast paced and it's cool when the team's ranked because that means like they usually most of the time get to play really legit teams and when they're ranked they're really good (laughs) like obviously that means that's what it means when you're ranked but for SCSU and the AFC West I bid them adieu as this is the end of episode 65 thank you once again for tuning in for another installment of Ball with Tyler Todd episode 66 will air Friday at 5 p.m. I will see you all then. Peace out.